You're listening to the Joyful Warrior Podcast with yours truly, Tiffany Justice. Join us as we talk about the issues that are impacting you and your family in America today. Let's get started. Hey, Joyful Warrior. So this week on the podcast, we're talking a little bit about Title IX. And for those of you that don't know about Title IX, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of information about it. And then we have Shannon Grady, who's our chapter chair in in Chester County, Pennsylvania, who's also a sports scientist um, and and has been a competitive athlete, has done training for Olympic athletes. Um, She speaks a little bit about Title IX, its importance, and some of the proposed changes um, that the Biden administration has um, coming up, some of the rulemaking. So... Um, just want to read to you a little bit. Uh, the House Committee on Education and Labor uh, minority members uh, put out a press release, and they talk a little bit about Title IX, and so I'm going to share some information with you um, about it. It says, the establishment of Title IX in 1972 revolutionized women's sports and implemented groundbreaking anti-harassment policies that advanced equal access to educational opportunities for women and men. Under the Trump administration's 2020 rule, these protections and due process protections for those accused of harassment that had been shredded by the Obama administration were restored and strengthened. The Biden administration wants to rescind this Trump-era rule and implement radical reforms to Title IX, which would undermine the law, threaten due process on college campuses, and upend decades of progress for women in education. So uh, Moms for Liberty was part of uh, a group, a coalition um, led by the Defense of Freedom Institute, uh, where we sent a letter to the Education Department's Office for Civil Rights to raise an alarm about the Biden administration's reinterpretation of Title IX, which could destroy half a century of progress for women. Um, And um, one of the, the, the most important things, I think, to take away from this is that the fact that the White House um, and the Education Department really haven't pointed to any plausible reason why they're looking to amend this 2020 rule. Um, so uh, Betsy DeVos, who uh, was the um, Education Secretary under um, President Trump, uh, wrote an op-ed that was published in the New York Post. And um, I thought it was an interesting op-ed. I think it gives a lot of insight. And so I'm going to share it with you now. Hopefully at some point we'll have uh, Mrs. DeVos on the podcast. That would be wonderful. Um, but she... Um, has been a champion for school choice, um, I think because she's seen, right, so many of the issues um, that have been happening uh, in Michigan, her home state of Michigan, but then also um, I have no doubt that seeing behind the education curtain at the um, Department of Education in Washington, D.C., and all of the work and interference that happens with the unions there um, left her with some very, very interesting insight. And so hopefully hopefully Moms for Liberty will get to hear um, from her about some of those things in the future. Uh, But for now, we'll start with this op-ed talking about Title IX. Here we go. When Title IX became law in 1972, I was a competitive high school swimmer. In my hometown of Holland, Michigan, I was fortunate that girls weren't denied opportunities to compete in sports the way too many were elsewhere in our country. The landmark law aimed to end such shameless sexism. Fifty years later, at the command of folks on the fringe, the Biden administration is making moves to end women's sports as we know them. After decades of progress for female athletes, the White House just proudly announced it intends after the plain text of Title IX. The law states, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. 
The Biden team is bent on redefining sex from its clear biological and legal meaning to include sex stereotypes, sex-related characteristics, including intersex traits, pregnancy or related conditions, sexual orientation, and gender identity. The implications of such a sweeping change are unmistakable. The proposal would make it illegal for a school or state to prohibit biological men from competing against women. This all-encompassing approach, including nebulous terms like sex stereotypes, could even require schools to eliminate the limited and insufficient requirements in place today, such as requiring transgender athletes to be on hormone therapy before competing. It will leave biological women at a permanent competitive disadvantage. Just ask the women who recently lost at the NCAA championships to University of Pennsylvania swimmer Lear Thomas. Le- Thomas started her, her coll- collegiate career on the men's team before coming out as trans and breaking women's records. And no wonder, even with hormone suppression or replacement, biological males retain an edge over females. As the New Yorker noted last month, people who have gone through testosterone-driven puberty have, on average, more cardiovascular capacity greater muscle mass, higher tendon mechanical strength, and denser bones. They tend to be stronger and taller with longer wingspans. Many of Thomas's teammates and competitors have rightly called the NCAA's arrangement unfair. President Joe Biden's proposal would make it the law of the land. The administration will do this for one reason. It wants to. Congress has not acted, which is how our system of government requires such changes to be made. The courts have not ruled on this. The American people don't support this move. But none of that deters this White House. This is standard operating procedure for Biden and the far-left Democrats who populate his administration. The bureaucrats pushing this change are the same individuals who sent the infamous Dear Colleague letter in 2011 that decimated due process protections on college campuses. Students accused of sexual misconduct were all too often denied access to evidence, cross-examination, and even the presumption of innocence in Title IX cases. This bureaucratic overreach led to the creation of kangaroo courts on most college campuses and devastating miscarriages of justice across the country. Hundreds of court rulings have affirmed their approach was unfair and truly un-American. While serving as Secretary of Education, I led a very lengthy regulatory process to reinforce and reassert Title IX protections. Alarmingly, the Biden proposal is likely to obliterate those lawful protections as well. It is nearly impossible to overstate just how radical this White House's approach to Title IX is. It transcends partisan political lines, clear and long abided by legal boundaries, and the policy presses preferences, excuse me, of a vast majority of Americans. This agenda was even criticized by transgender Olympic gold medalist Caitlyn Jenner, who said ensuring sports remain separated by sex is not transphobic or anti-trans, it's common sense. Tennis champion and LGBT activist Martina Navratilova has said any rules should be based on biology and evidence and science. And any approach based on gender self-identification clearly would not be a level playing field. Bottom line, the Biden administration's proposal will do significant damage to young women who count on the promise of Title IX. Young women are working hard and training daily to become the next great female gold medalist or national champion. They deserve the opportunity to compete on a level playing field. And that can only be ensured by maintaining the biological distinctions that have always existed in sports. 
There's one way to protect the dreams of young female athletes across the country. Stop the White House's Title IX proposal to erase women's sports. And so we thank Betsy DeVos for that um, really insightful um, op-ed. And and now we'll be joined by Shannon Grady, chair of Chester County, Pennsylvania Moms for Liberty, um, and an advocate, a a female athlete and an advocate uh, for women and men in sports uh, who, who definitely will explain to us the importance of a level playing field. Hey, Joyful Warriors, Tiffany Justice here with Moms for Liberty, and I'm so excited to have a special guest today. It is one of our chapter chairs from Pennsylvania, Shannon Grady from Chester County, Pennsylvania. And Shannon is a a woman of many talents. Um, She's a mom, um, and she is also a physiologist and coach um, and um, has had such amazing insight for her chapter um, regarding um, women and women's sports right now, and, and, and then also, obviously, as a mom, I'm very concerned about all of the issues that moms across the country are very concerned about, right? I think in Chester County, they just stopped masking about two weeks ago. So um, craziness happening. It's April uh, right now and, and, and April 2022, people. So we're still masking toddlers in New York and apparently in Pennsylvania, they've only stopped force masking children two weeks ago nonsense. So we are excited to welcome Shannon. We're going to talk a little bit about Chester County. They've had some exciting things um, happen on their school board, removing some school board members, but maybe the school board members have been reinstated. We're not really sure. So welcome Shannon Grady to the Joyful Warrior podcast uh, in true Joyful Warrior style. Thank you for joining us. Did you, you were busy with your kids today, right? I was. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We had a little field trip. Um, he's a kindergartner. So we were at a field trip to a local mill. So they got to see the whole milling process of wheat and corn and had got to make some pancakes. So oh, how neat. Cute. That's really fun. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you joining me. So you are the chapter chair in Chester County, Pennsylvania, and you guys have been in the news a little bit lately. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that. But first, let's just talk about you for a second. Tell us a little bit about you, your family. Um, and then why did you decide to join Moms for Liberty and, and eventually become the chair of your chapter? Um, yeah, so I, um, I have two boys that are um, one's in ninth grade and one is in kindergarten. And um, I am a physiologist. So I've run my own company since uh, 2001. I was a I went to Florida. I went to University of Florida. Go Gators. Go Gators. (laughs) Um, Go Gators. But I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Um, I went to University of Florida ran track there, got my um, undergrad and master's degree. And then I lived out in California for a little while. I was at the Olympic Training Center. Um, And then um, after, I guess, 2001, I moved back to Pennsylvania, maybe 2001, 2002, somewhere in that time frame. Moved back to Pennsylvania, and I've been running and operating my business ever since then. Um, So as a physiologist, um, physiology, exercise science, it's a pretty broad field. Um, While I was in in school, I was a researcher. I was more of a medical researcher, uh, biochemist, physiologist, researcher, was more of a lab rat type person. (laughs) Literally, I did animal research. Um, And I decided... Uh, <laughs> while I was almost completed my PhD, that I wanted to kind of move out of academia and move into working with people. 
Um, and I was actually an elite athlete at the time. And I got a job as a physiologist at the Olympic Training Center. So I was, it was actually kind of a dual opportunity to move out to California, work there, train there. Um, so it was kind of like killing two birds with one stone. Um, sort of a unique opportunity I had available. I had uh, a, you know gotten at that time. Absolutely. So that was that was kind of a cool um, step and realm into working with humans, especially as athletes, um, especially since I was one. Um, so my, you know, life and career has been spent advocating for athletes. Um, I'm more of an athlete advocate more than anything. And, um, so our... what does that mean to be an athlete <laughs> so, advocate? Well, there's, as a, as a physiologist, my, my role is to eliminate subjective bias in sport. Um, so there's a lot of, of things that are quote-unquote unexplained in sport and a lot of athletes um, if they're underperforming or not performing to their potential a lot of times they get pushed off as being you know it's in your head you know or blamed for such performances so and I actually like that drove me into the field because that was like a little bit of my circumstance while I was in college I was underperforming because Coming out of high school, I was the number one recruit in the nation, and my expectations in college didn't really quite meet what I expected my trajectory to be. Um, so it was more of like a quest to understand, you know, why did people, you know, same same girls on my team respond to the training and I didn't, you know, things like that. Right. And you know, I was sent to sports psychology, and you know, I said, yeah, I don't. I'm trying my hardest. I'm not like, I'm not stressed. I don't have this. I don't have that. Like I don't like training and performing doesn't stress me out. Like right. it's not that at all. My body just won't, won't respond. I don't know what's going on. So yeah, it's like, a, so you wanted to they, dig a little bit deeper in that area. So tell me, yeah, so it, it's so interesting. So we've kind of gone, I want to, we're talking about your career a little bit. I do want to chat with you quickly and we'll get to the, the Moms for Liberty chapter. And I think it's so amazing. Every time I talk to yeah. our chapter chairs and our members across the country, you guys have had the most amazing lives. You've done so many interesting things. Yeah. You continue to do um, so many amazing things. And so right now in the United States of America and, and for our moms that are listening, um, there are new regulatory standards around Title IX that are, are being proposed. And so can can you talk a little bit about yeah. that for a second? Explain Title IX yeah. and, and, and maybe just give us a little bit of a, a deep dive into like, what do we need to know about um, what's happening right now in America regarding women and, and, and women in sports? Yeah. yeah, so that's basically kind of like forced me into the women's athlete advocate role. <laughs> um, you know, Title IX is sex-based categorization in sport. So um, getting back to my role as a sports scientist, physiologist, is to eliminate subjective bias in sport. And Title IX protects sex-based categorization. So, and the reason, you know, why Title IX is especially important in sport and sex-based categorization is especially important in sport is because it eliminates subjective bias. Um, so we, as a physiologist, we, we determine objective measures, things that we can objectively measure to determine, um, you know, one sex, 
you know, it, when, when you have sex, sports are physical. I mean, that's an objective reality. Sports, your ability to perform, uh, the biggest differences between males and females is their physiological differences and that's why one the 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 development of women's sports which you know throughout my lifetime i've seen dramatic changes and you know it's really hard to see that sort of being threatened at this current time um due to the misinterpretation by you know many politicians who should not be involved in this in this conversation one bit um that are mixing and confusing sex and gender. Sex and gender are not the same thing. So, you know, the reason why it's such an important issue, because, you know, this d gender does directly violate Title IX protections, sex-based protections for women and girls. So when we move into the sports realm, um, it's especially important to make sure that the playing field is fair and safe for all participants, not just those with gender, um, you know, gender confusion or gender identity that's not the same as their biological sex. You know, that that gender identity should have no relevance on which sex-based sport category you compete in because you are now making it unsafe and unfair for all of the other participants. So, you know, especially if it's a male to female um, you know, transgender athlete, that automatically makes it unfair for all of the rest well, of the And I think we're seeing that, right? We just saw Leah right. Thomas, who is a man that identifies as a woman, uh, competing yeah. in, in, in a swimming competition and winning, I think it was the 500 meter um, competition, yes. bl kind of, and, and breaking records, right? Left and right. So let yeah. me ask you, Shannon, you're a mom, yeah. um, you're an athlete. What does it the future of women's athletics right. and women's sports look like if men can identify as women and then participate in, in competition against women in sports? Well, it, I mean, I think it's really going to set women in our country back. I mean, just, you know, it, being, an, being a female athlete, um, I was awarded opportunities, you know, just be, being, an, being an athlete, I was able to get a full athletic scholarship. I, I, I had my college paid for. That that changed my life, right? You know, so if, if girls are unable to have opportunities in sport, you know, if there's too many males taking female places, that's going to take the opportunity away from, from, from every single girl. And that's life changing. Right. And what that's about the safety? What about the safety aspect? Cause I've heard well, from the a safety lot of parents, aspect, yeah. you know, and, and it's physical sports are physical. It, it's, you know, the reality of sports is that they are physical. And if you want to talk about inclusion, you know, everybody says, well, you just don't want them to participate. No, they can participate. There's no rule that says they can't participate. They just don't like their category. They don't like the rule. The rule is sex based, not gender based. So, you're not being excluded from sport. You want to participate in a category in which the rules, you know, and it depends on the organization now that they're there. They're, some organizations ignore Title IX. Um, but the rules for safety, you know, sports are the most inclusive entity on the planet. Safety, we have all different categories in sports. We have male and female. We have weight categories. We have um, uh, age categories. You have all different levels of categories to try to make a space for everybody that is, uh, first and foremost, fair, second, uh, uh, 
secondly, uh, safe. You know, the 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 reason why we have, um, you know, in, in sport, sex-based categorization, even within your sex, we will test you to see if you're taking exogenous hormones. So if you're taking horm exogenous hormones or hormones that your body doesn't naturally produce, so something you're taking like a supplement. So the reason we have, um, you know, bans on certain substances is not only because it's unfair to the other competitors, but it's also harmful for you to take those substances. So a, a male to female or a female to male taking hormones is harmful to them. Not only does it give them an, you know, an advantage over other competitors, um, but also if I'm a female, I'm a biological female. If a transgender person that was a that you know a biological male takes hormones to to compete in the women's category, I'm not allowed to take hormones to raise me up to his level. His lower lowered level is not as low as the rest of the females. Right. So they'll never be equal. Even if he takes suppressants, he's still not as low as the women. But yet I'm not allowed because I'm not transgender to take hormones to get me to his level. So lots of unfairness in, in something where, you know, we're promoting f fairness, right? I mean, it's, it's the whole Correct. point of, of, <laughs> of athletic competition. Um, yeah, fairness. 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 I mean, it's fair. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's objectively and, and, you know, just blatantly unfair to all of the girls, you know, and, you know, and you, and quickly, just, Shannon, I, I just want to say, because, yeah. you know, and, and we've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast about gender ideology and some of the agenda, gender identity indoctrination that we're seeing. But as yeah. a sports scientist, I, I guess, and as a scientist in general, you know, these hormones, can you just tell us quickly, Shannon, when, when a child starts taking these hormones yeah. um, in the effort yeah. to uh, block puberty, um, I've heard it said that you would literally need a time machine to go back and be able to correct what um, has been skipped in puberty by the hormones being taken. What are the effects for a, a young woman taking um, testosterone? Um, well, I mean, the biggest effects, and this is why, you know, these supplements have been banned for a long time, even in biological, you know, even not for gender purposes, is, you know, you're, risk, you're at risk for heart conditions and cancer. So those are the two biggest medical risks. You know, in this space of transgender male to female hormones in sport, um, it has been shown that not only are the hormones harmful, but in medical lit literature, you, it can be cited ad nauseum that even the uh, gender affirmation does not improve their, their mental state either, their suicide, depression, um, et cetera. So you have, you know, you know, if a child starts taking these, there's not a lot of research on that yet. Um, but, but just the effect of those hormones in general, the biggest risks, like I said, are cancer and heart problems. Um, dangerous and, 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 you know, dangerous. taking it's away, the, you yeah. know, and, and, and that's really one of my big, big roles too, is like protection, you know, safety, safety in sport. You know, it's not that we're not saying if you're a transgender athlete, you can't compete, but here is the category that, that matches your objective, objective, um, things that we can measure we can measure your hormones we can measure your chromosomes we can measure your height your weight things like that that, that are objective this is where you know you need to be in order to create fairness um for for all of the other competitors right 
Well, thank yeah. you for kind of jumping into that because, I mean, it is so important. I know you've shared with some of the, the fellow ch- Pennsylvania chapters, and it's great for our chapter chairs across the country to kind of um, hear for you. Hey, people have more questions, Shannon, um, uh, and you're a Moms for Liberty member. If you have more questions, reach out to us, and we'll put you in touch with Shannon so that she can um, answer any questions you might have. So, Shannon, you also have a Moms for Liberty chapter that you started in Chester yeah. County, Pennsylvania, <laughs> has been yeah. um, in the news a little bit. So tell us. Why did you decide to join Moms for Liberty? And then, you know, tell us what is going on in Chester County. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Chester County. Um, so, you know, I I decided to join Moms for Liberty um, essentially because I really felt connected to the mission and the purpose of the organization. Um, you know, I, before COVID, before the shutdown, you know, I've always had a, a, a place for my kids, other kids, always, you know, volunteer coach, community, things like that. But I never really paid too much attention to what was going on inside the schools. You know, it, my kids, you know, I'm doing good in school. They're doing good in school. They seem happy. And I think it was more of an eye opener, you know, to see, oh, what is actually going on? You're at home. I'm seeing all these assignments and really what's going on. And then, in our area, you know, it was a little bit disjointed. There was like, you know, you hear some people, there's, you know, doing things. And I just felt like Moms for Liberty kind of like brought it all together. And it was a way to organize and take action and be able to, like in our in our county, we have a lot of people are willing to help and want to do things, but they don't know what to do. So my, my, um, my role as as the chair is more action based because I see we have all these people wanting to help. They just didn't really know what to do. So that's really the the direction I've taken my chapter personally is like we have so many we have district leaders within our county. You know, we're like, we're like, here's your assignments, work on this. And then we all collaborate. So it's been, you know, in a short period of time, we've been really effective at making, you know, gaining support and gaining headway in our county so we've been (laughs) we've been in the news you have yeah so um (laughs) in our county they we've had a mask mandate since um since well our schools were closed originally with 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 the pandemic how long were they closed for so we were closed from the end of the school year march 2020 until june 2020 okay and then summer break, and then they reopened in September of 2020 with a mask mandate in place. I believe they had like a high, it was actually hybrid. It was a hybrid option. Like you, your kids could go every other day or some, some, something like that. I can't even remember. But they were on the Zooms all the time and it was just not effective and they weren't learning. Um, and then they went back to full-time instruction. Of course, masks are required in the buildings. Um, I've never, my, my kids have never worn a mask. My kids, I kept my kids home. I said, you are not wearing a mask. You will never wear a mask. It's not going to happen. Why so is that? My, why did, why were you so adamant that your children shouldn't wear a mask? Well, going back to, you know, I'm a physiologist and part of my medical research was actually, um, <laughs> studying the obstruction of airflow for the American Lung Association. So I've actually studied the, the uh, adverse effects of obstructing airflow uh, and understand that the respiratory physiology very well. So 
I knew 100% certain that it was going to harm my child if they put a mask on their face. So that never happened. Um, so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so I kept my mouth shut. I just kept my kids home. And through through the through the 2021 school year. So at the at the end of the 21 school year last summer, they took the mandates away and it looked like they were going back to school without masks for the fall. Then two weeks before school started, they I'm in a school board meeting. I was there about to speak on DEI and all the CRT stuff going on. And they're talking and then they're like discussing the masking policy for the fall for two weeks later when school's about to start and my son's about to enter high school. And I'm like, what? And my son, my son got accepted. We have a, a, a STEM academy here and he got accepted to the STEM academy. And there's no there's no there's no virtual option for that school. It's it's in person only. They don't have he, he had no option to stay home, really. So I just I was like, uh, oh, wait a second. Like, you guys just did this on purpose. You caught us off guard two weeks before school started. So we couldn't do anything about it. So at that moment was when I started basically looking into what can I do? How can I stop this? Because I knew it was illegal. I knew it's harmful. I, I just didn't really know, like, what I could do as an individual. So that's when I started reading all of the Pennsylvania school codes. And I found a statute in there that is a remedy for taxpayers. If your school board has a um, failure or neglect of duty, you can submit a petition to the court for their removal. And all you needed was um, 10 taxpayers' signatures. So I easily found those. I, you know, put the, put the petition. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I say, okay, let me put this legal you know, let me put this petition together and, and file it with the court and see what happens. Because I was just like, what I said, this seems easy. This seems too easy. I don't really know anything. I didn't consult an attorney. I just read all the school codes and I found 61 violations. So I put them in there. And, um, well, and let, and let me just back up a second. So meanwhile, there was a lawsuit against our secretary of health at the time that was contending the legality of the Pennsylvania. So we had multiple layers of mask mandates. We had schools that implemented their own universal masking policies. But the, what happened, it, it made, we, we voted to take our governor's emergency powers away because we had like a one year emergency here in Pennsylvania. It was that ridiculous. He kept renewing his emergency orders. Right. So basically from a legal standpoint, we had no, we had taken away the governor's emergency power. So we won that. So they left it up to the schools to implement masking policies. So at the beginning of this, this, this school year, only 10% of the Pennsylvania schools had a masking policy, a mask required. Everybody else was optional. But in our county, we had 100% masking. 
Like our county is just so terrible with that. So I was like, this is ridiculous. And even when I tried to inform them, I said, you know, only 10% of the schools in Pennsylvania have a masking policy. They're like, what, what? Because they just think everybody does what we're doing here. And it's really not like that in our state. So correct, they had no idea. Yes, yeah. So we found 10 signatures. Um, I waited until the, the ruling against our Secretary of Health came out. Our Supreme Court ruled that our Secretary of Health had no authority. It was so illegal. It should have never been um, been ordered to mask our kids, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I waited a week after that ruling to submit my filing to the court. Um, and I, not being an attorney, didn't really know all the proper procedural, blah, you know, like, this is how you have to, you have to be double spaced, 12 point font, and you have to serve it. One of the rules in our county is you have to serve it with the sheriff. So I actually originally filed it in, in, in December. The judge came back with points on what I needed to do to fix it. And then once I fixed it, I actually shared and helped five other districts um, file the same petition. Awesome. And in our county, so one of the petitions, hers went through before mine because I had to reserve my document with the sheriff. So once you reserve it, like your timeline like starts over sure. and the schools didn't take take it seriously. They've all like, none of they've all ignored it. Um, until I always the, say I always say ignore uh, ignore parents at your peril, school districts. Exactly. And that's exactly why I filed it, because we were all being ignored. They didn't listen to us. So they ignored the filing. And the judge ordered them to respond. They ignored that order to respond. And then the judge ordered their removal because they, they initially failed to respond. So that they, they got removed. And then once they got removed, that's when their attorneys started actually acting. And they filed a motion for reconsideration to vacate the order and, um, so Basically, I'm going to read this for a second. I, I'm going to just going to read. Yeah. It says that Chester County judge has vacated his previous decision Friday, removing four Democrats and one Republican from the Westchester area school district board in a dispute over masks, meaning the acts board directors are reinstated and can return to their posts for now. While the board member's motion for reconsideration was granted by Judge William Mahone, uh, is it Mahone, Mahan? Um, the yes. case will continue to proceed as the board members will still be required to answer the initial filing by April 4th, which is today. Yes. So they, de they did. Or yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So they submitted their, so he ordered them on Friday. So he gave them a, the, he, in the courtroom on Friday, he basically admit, made them admit they were wrong. And they made a mistake and he didn't want to disrupt the schools and remove the board members because their attorneys failed to do their job. And, he, you know, and which I understand his point. I completely agree. I completely agree. You know, he he never responded and he shouldn't take that shouldn't be the fault of the of the board members that their representation didn't do his job. But it was really great that he made them admit it in public with everybody there packed courtroom. But anyway, so they did file a response. So now it's essentially the petitioner has two options. Um, they can request a hearing or they can request a ruling based on the responses filed by the district. So it's, and, and they also did file another motion to dismiss the petition, which I don't think is going to fly because um, he already ordered them to, to respond. He would have dismissed it. Has the there been any discussion of um, kind of, you know, 
addressing the issue with the school board attorney and perhaps, you know, with the board, has the board discussed bringing like legal malpractice charges against the... I I don't think they've gotten that far, quite frankly. They were caught, like this petition process is so fast. I mean, let, let, you know, once they are served, they only have 20 days to respond. And then once there's a response, the jo- you literally have less than, it's a very quick process, which is why I was like, this seems too easy. I don't know if it's going to work, but let's try it. This is our remedy as taxpayers if, they, if we feel that they are in neglect of their duty. So obviously the judge also agrees that it has merit. Um, so now that they've filed the response, like I said, it's up to the petitioner. Um, and the best part about if they are removed, we get to um, submit names for their replacements. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. awesome. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Great. I mean, it's and that's, and you know, and, and and honestly, I mean, parents, you have to, there's no guarantee that any of this stuff will work or, or honestly, like even if it should right. work, there isn't a guarantee that it always does. But the truth right. of the matter is you have to try something. So Moms right. for Liberty really encourages our moms to, to look into their district, into the intricacies yeah. of their state and to find ways to... Um, question the authority and and who's holding the authority and the decisions that are being made and to know that you know these people act like e- experts in so many of these areas but as Shannon has shown today you know you have so much power in yourself and in your background to be able to use uh, whether it was being a researcher or you know understand so many different things so Shannon we just applaud you and, and if, you're, if you're listening Pennsylvania parents you need to check this out if you're not a member of Moms for Liberty check it out try to try to see if you can do something similar in your area um, and, and that's not to say that you don't have something similar some similar stipulation in your state code that you can look at so um yeah so shannon what message do you want to leave our listeners with today what have you learned that you feel like everyone should know i I, i've learned that you know standing up um it, it it basically it's like courage is courageous and because i file i mean filing this I had people that were afraid to even sign it as signers. Like people are afraid. They were afraid until all of a sudden they're like, wait, this might work. And now I'm being bombarded. So it's like, don't be afraid. Like what I, and that's why I kept saying, I was like, what are you afraid of? The worst that's going to happen is it's not going to work. The worst thing that's going to happen is the kids are going to have to continue to wear masks. I mean, obviously we see right right now we're watching New York still masking toddlers. And that was what I, yeah. Exactly. But you got to have courage. You got to have, you got to be courageous and you, and you can't, just don't be afraid. Uh, and, you know, we're not, you know, I think that what holds people back is fear. It's the, the, the retaliation, uh, you know, the, the, the chatter, you know, I, I don't care what people say about me, like, in our, you know, the opposition. I, I don't, I don't let those things bother me. Yeah, you brush know, it I, off, right? Parents, you just got to brush I, it off. You get called you names, brush, brush it, it off. off. Yeah. And I do think, I do think that what our parents are seeing and, and Chen, you can, you know, you can echo this. If you've seen it, you said courage is contagious. And so, you know, school districts might be able to pick off one or two parents or kind of cause problems for your you or your kid and your community. But you go with 40, 50, 60, 100, 1,000 in some of our chapters, you go with that many parents and boy, will you get their attention. Yeah, yeah. And that's what, and, and, and since I've taken over as chapter chair, what I do is I send out a community email ahead of every school board meeting and just update them and say, hey, 
you might be interested in this. This is what's on the agenda for approval. This is what it's about. Here's where you can look into this. And if you're interested in coming, we would love your support. Like, that's it. Come make a statement or it's, something. It's, yeah, <laughs> this is how we take our country back. Honestly, yeah. it is it is a backyard by backyard, school district by school district, school board by school board, parents getting involved and in making the difference that they want to see, making the changes they want to see in their community. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. It's and really awesome. Well, parents, they're like, well, can't you just pull your – I have the luxury. I can, I, I can move to Florida. I can pull my kids out. I said, but then if I run and, if I run and hide, who's going to fight for these kids? Yeah. And then, and then when my kids grow up, the majority of the kids are going to these public schools. These are the people they have to live in society. They've been brainwashed. They've been indoctrinated and they're confused. And, they, and, and, and I said, we have to take the schools back. We've got to start at the schools. We've got to start at the kids or, or this country is going to fall apart. Absolutely. So Shannon, again, um, thank you for coming on the Joyful Warrior podcast. You are oh, um, a joyful. You. Yo, thank you. You are a joyful warrior. We're so proud to have you leading a chapter of Moms for Liberty. Um, and um, I just really think, you know, our kids are watching us and they're watching us stand up they're watching us use all of the tools in our toolbox and you're certainly doing that with your background with sports science and with, um, I'm sure all the information that you've been able to bring um, to your community factual information right based on science and data um, about why masking isn't good and why we need to be aware of some of the issues with some of the transgender stuff we're seeing with the kids um, so thank you again for doing everything you do. And um, if you want to start a Moms for Liberty chapter, I'm going to have to do Pat's part this time. If you want to start a Moms <laughs> for Liberty chapter, get off that comfy couch. Go to momsforliberty.org. You can check us out there. You can see if you have a chapter in your area. If you do, click on that email link to your chapter chair and ask uh, to, to join. If you don't have a chapter, um, start one. It's really easy. Um, you'll go through an interview process and, and we'll uh, start getting you set up um, so that you can start, you know, getting like-minded parents together in your community and, and be able to create that change so that we make sure that um, the erosion of parental rights stops and that our children are never uh, abused like this in our society again. Absolutely. All right, Shannon, have a great day. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right. Bye. And that's going to do it for this week's Joyful Warrior podcast. Join us next time. United we stand, our children, our choice, our future.